Welcome to A Woman's Brew, where women talk about beer. In today's episode, we're brewing up an insightful conversation about home brewing. I'm Joanne and this is Tori. Hello, hello. And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. Wow. So uh, today's topic, obviously, is home brewing. Home um, Obviously, we're going to throw in a bit about commercial brewing so, sort of towards the end of the conversation for reasons that will become obvious when we get to it. But um, <laughs> to not to date it for anyone that's seen Instagram stories or anything, you know, a few weeks ago, recently, let's just say recently, recently yeah. um, I came to visit you, stayed at your house and home brewed with you. Yep. And that was my first time home brewing um obviously you are a seasoned veteran of home brewing so uh I mean I jotted down some stuff that like I observed while we were you know brewing I asked a whole bunch of questions while we were there probably should have recorded that because that (laughs) some of the stuff I asked probably would have been useful for now and I can't remember now that I'm not in the moment (laughs) of it um but I did put out questions and we both put out sort of feelers out see if there's any questions that people might have had about home brewing which we'll get to towards the end of the episode um but yeah I just thought you know myself having questions I'm sure there's other people that even if you're you don't intend on home brewing yourself you might just have mild curiosities about it and thought we would just make a really good and interesting episode to talk about home brewing because you don't really you either have a you either have podcasts that talk about home brewing or talk about breweries and and just commercial level beers and you don't really have like things that dip in between so I thought this might be a good opportunity for that so and yeah. it's quite useful to know about the brewing process and and ingredients and things like that if you're even if you're just a beer taster because knowing those things helps you understand what's in your glass so I mean yeah and I think that there's something that like from my end as a person that hadn't done it themselves um and again more will come we get to the commercial side of things as well um for me, it, like I always think that it gives people, well, it should give people almost a new appreciation for brewing. So I think there's a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily think of just from a consumer perspective. But when you're actually hands on in the process and you see how the process is done, um, you can get like a whole new appreciation for it. So hopefully this episode will be insightful for people. Um, and yeah, let's do our best. Well, you can do your best. I'll read yeah. the questions. <laughs> I mean, today it's going to be more kind of like normally I can. Yeah, normally we interview (laughs) like somebody from a brewery or whatever. This episode, it's like I'm interviewing. We either talk about things together or we're interviewing someone together. But today I'm interviewing you. It's like you're the guest today. (laughs) Cool. But I've still got to do my own editing. So (laughs) yeah, that's true. Can you imagine if we had guests on and we're like, you edit now. You edit. It's your turn. (laughs) Right. This is. Right, so, so Mads and Vlogs, we could have said <laughs> you, you go edit it for you do the editing now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's circle back to commercial brewing. And um when when you do a collaboration with someone, if you are the collabing person, it's your job to clean out the mash shun. So when we, you know, I feel like <laughs> when you're the guest on the pod, right, uh, it's I don't your turn to, do, to edit yeah. the pod. <laughs> Right. I, I feel like maybe it's your turn <laughs> I, to edit I, the I, 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 I don't know, because I feel like 
I mean, it's even better. Like I've said, like, I'd, I'd definitely try helping you with editing, but you were like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I feel like you know what you want out of the, yeah. <laughs> out of the editing process. You have it down to a T. Um, yeah, I, I would love someone to volunteer and say, I'll edit it for you. And you'd be like, no, no, it's just fine. Fine. <laughs> I know, I know what I want. Thanks. Oh, but to crack off this episode, I've got one of your homebrews. You've obviously got, got one, one of your homebrews. homebrews. What homebrew do you have? Because I've um, got your pumpkin one as I... not to date it. It is a time <laughs> of year when you would enjoy pumpkin beers. Um, and I've got my Vienna lager. So, and I have an appropriate tankard to put it in. So. I went with my teku that says on Tuesdays we drink tippers. I'm not drinking not a Tuesday. tipper and it's not Tuesday, it's not which Tuesday. should tell you the type of week that I am having. So before right. I open this, is there any advice on how I mean, to open this? I've opened um, these before, but for anybody else that might so be getting someone else's homebrew. So they can sometimes be a bit lively because obviously they're not filtered or anything like that. It's difficult to judge carbonation levels in them um so it is wise to carefully open them also if someone has recently transported them that's going to have shaken it up a little bit so you do need to just be a bit careful sometimes when you're opening people's own brews mine get mine just get a little bit lively sometimes i've got Um, so kitchen roll out ready to go actually so i'm gonna just do that oh mine was okay okay this one was all right this one was definitely all right yeah my vienna lagers got medium carbonation so well, listen to that asmr brewery asmr brewery asmr and also with home brews you may get some sediment in the bottom so just be aware of that when you're pouring it look at this pumpkin beer i don't think this is your pumpkin double i think this is, is it, just this your, is that the ale i think it's just the ale um i think i accidentally drank your pumpkin double oh. and i thought it was something else uh, and when I opened the bottle and poured it, I realised right away from the colour that it was not, I thought it was your Saison. It was not your Saison because oh. I emptied it and I went, oh, and then I smelled it and I went, that's pumpkin spice. <laughs> I was very happy. It just was not what I was expecting yeah. to come out. Smelling this now as well. It smells gorgeous and pumpkin spice and beautiful. So to kick things off, cheers, Joe. Cheers. Um, I will also highlight that like, obviously this bottle is from... Oh, there's going to be a question sort of related to this later but this this bottle is from a year ago when you made it last year and actually it's still i don't know if it's just because pumpkin spice and the way that it depends on the bit on style yeah as well um but it's kept like fairly well like i can still get it's a bit thinner than it was when i had it yeah. last year but like there's still enough spice to it that it's it's yeah it's held up pretty well so well done oh, good good and um, so to start things off, I thought it might be interesting if you just kind of give us a bit of sort of your journey into homebrewing, because obviously we know you've done it quite a bit now, but from what got you interested to the process of you starting your first few brews, walk us through that. So I liked beer and I knew that you could brew it. I knew that you could brew it yourself. <laughs> like it, brewing's like cooking. If you know the ingredients and you know the times, then you can do it yourself um obviously you need the right kit but there is a big home brewing movement there's lots of information out there there are books there's uh there'll be there's youtube videos there's blogs and and posts and things like that online you can find that'll help you learn how to do it at the time when i started i was just like you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna give it a go what's the worst that can happen (laughs) and really 
as long as you are, are uh, sanitizing everything and being careful about it, you can pretty much make drinkable beer um, without much problem. You know, it may not be world-class beer, but it will be drinkable. Um, I was in a, I, I was living in a one-bedroom flat at the time. So I wanted something that was small. So I did a little bit of research and I was like, you know, what small scale home brewing setups can you get? So I got this kit from a website called brewuk.co.uk. Um, and you can get starter kits that have um, a chunk of the equipment that you need in them. And then you can get refill kits with different recipes in. So my first one was a vanilla porter. I'm looking up what people see on the video. I'm typing. <laughs> it's because I'm looking it up now. I'm just curious yeah. to kind of see the website. Um, but in the kit, so so often, so when you buy like a home brewing kit, often you will have in it malt extract as opposed to actual grains. Um, these stove topper kits are what's called all grain. So you are just as a commercial brewery um, or a craft brewery, you are using a mix of actual grains. It's called the grist once you crush it and you're actually using it. Um, but you're using 100% grains in your beer. Um, whereas often, if you're getting a home brewing kit, you get something called malt extract and it either comes in a powder and you make it up or it comes in like a tin and it's like a syrup and that replaces a portion of your grains. Um, I had to work out what that was <laughs> because when I got my stove topper kit, it was it was all grains. So I was just like, yeah, you know, I, the stuff that I knew about brewing was that you use grains. So I was like, cool, this is how you do it. And then I'd be reading recipes online and it'd be talking about malt extract. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and often when people talk to you and they're like, oh, you started in home brewing, started with malt extract. Yeah. And I was like, no, no. I've done all grain <laughs> all the time. Because really, I was say, it's right be... on here as well. Or yeah. like I, the all first, one of the things that popped up was all grain brewing. It says yeah. malt hops recipe packs. <laughs> right. So you're just like, that's, you know, that's what goes into a beer. Malt, hops, yeast, water. So that's what I was expecting. Um, so I had to work out what that was. But that can be more simple to start with because that malt extract can be it can be all of your malt it can already have hops added to it and you just chuck that in and boil it and off you go um so it can be very simple i like using all grain because you've got a bit more control over what goes in you do you know the the more complex your recipes get the more different types of malt you're going to need um and depending on the size of your kit your the amount you'll need will change um so you can end up with bags you know you only need like a tiny portion of something or some of like the specialty grains that you only need to add a little bit in to get like color or a little bit of flavor from so you can end up with bags kind of sitting around for a while um so it depends on how you want to do that whether you've got storage space whether um you don't necessarily want to faff around with that that's a choice you need to make when you're starting brewing but so that's the kit i started with and it came with if i can remember correctly it came with a glass demijohn which is what you fermented in it came with a thermometer it came with the grains and the hops and the yeast um, and it came with a plastic tube uh, and a little clip and it came with the airlock so when you ferment your beer you need to like seal it in so there's like a rubber bung that goes in the top of whatever you're fermenting in and then inside is either a little plastic thing 
that goes up and down or it, it looks like a coil with bubbles in it and you put sanitizer in there and then when the yeast is fermenting it creates carbon dioxide and that will go up through the airlock and it will bubble and then you know it's fermenting um so there was one of those in there as well it said as well you know you'll need a pot and a sieve and i was like cool pot and a sieve i've got a sieve in the kitchen i've got you know i'll just get you know a biggish soup pot first pot i got was not big enough like like i'll just grab a biggish soup pot i just grab a biggish soup pot that'll work so you really need to think about roughly how, how many... big is biggish. <laughs> like, what, if so, you were to say, like... so the big soup pot is the medium one that I used when we were brewing. So it's right. about half the size of the actual one that I use now. So it's probably about five liters. Because it's that like, the one you make... was that the one that just for my no one's going to know besides yeah. me because obviously I was there. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> was that the one that it was like? We were doing the sparge over, yeah. not the two actual pans. Yeah, not the that two we actual. Used. It was the, that yeah. was your biggish. That pot. was my big pot <laughs> because, but because I was making it was five, about for people watching that, the video. It was yeah, like, yeah, it was five liter. It was a five liter. <laughs> it's about a five liter soup pot. So where the kit says you are going to make five liters of beer, I was like, cool, I'll get a five liter pot. You don't actually. And you, know, you end up with five liters, but you need more than that because some's going to boil off, you're going to spill some, the grains are going to soak some up. So actually, really, you end up needing about nine to ten liters to make a five liter batch. Um, so I was wrong <laughs> on that. And when I was like, just need a sieve. I've got a big kitchen sieve. Yeah, no, my big kitchen sieve was not big enough. <laughs> so the first time I did it, I ended up with like saucepans everywhere with various amounts of water in and wort and everything else i sparged i like because so you take the grains out of the water and then rinse them with more water um i ended up grain everywhere (laughs) it was great but but i got a demijohn full of beer eventually um (laughs) you eventually got there eventually i got there and i was just like next time i do this need a bigger pot I feel like I'm stressed out just hearing about this. That's great. I like the idea of having to split your, you know, your walk or your walk between like all these different. Yeah. Pot. Like I'd be like, oh my god, what if it's not the right amount in one pot? Like I would be having an absolute panic at that. What I was more concerned about was making. Oh, because in this kit also you got sanitizer, so it's really important that anything that's going to touch the wort slash beer is sanitized because. The more things that touch it, the more chance you've got of infecting it and completely wrecking your batch of beer. Um, so I'm I'm fanatical about it. Like cleaning is very, very important. I sanitize everything from start to finish, just in case. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> I did all of that. And then because it was a vanilla porter, I had to add a vanilla pod about a week into fermentation. Oh, wow. So then I was like... What the do the I do second set of panic <laughs> right because then i was just like oh my god what if i put this vanilla pod in and it contaminates the entire thing with something gross um well, you, san- you couldn't like sanitize a vanilla pod though no. would you <laughs> no um i mean this was in a, a sealed a sealed packet you then just had to split it open and chuck it in so i split it open with a sanitized knife and poked it in um, but how you, how I've learned to do it now is that you dose it with a little bit of vodka and then you chuck it in. Ah, oh, that's smart because that's yeah, like because the purpose, vodka doesn't that? really add doesn't really add anything because you're just kind of cleaning it, but it doesn't take away from the actual flavors. I've also added like spices to a beer 
Um, you can add them during the boil, but sometimes fermentation will get rid of some of that spice, flavour and aroma. So you might want to add some more just before you're bottling. And I will make a tincture. So that's spices soaked in vodka. And then you you strain out the bits and then you add that flavoured vodka to the beer to get a bit more of the spices. You only add a little bit, so it doesn't really mess with the alcohol levels. But I mean, then that's, that's how you add, because then it's all sanitised. Isn't like adding. a natural sanitizer, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I learned that. Um, the next, <laughs> next thing that I had with it was you've then got to get the beer out of the Demijohn into bottles. And they gave you a plastic tube. And you're like, that's cool. This is, you know, this is going to be really easy. And so the instructions are, you know, you stick it in the Demijohn and then you use gravity to pull it down into the bottles. I had so much trouble trying to get it out of the Demijohn just with this bottle, with this tube into the bottles. Um, I ended up with it like stacked on various things to get it really high and then try and get it out. Was that? Um, was it just that it wasn't high enough up for that? Yeah, and it... you actually, what, what as well you really could do with is what's called an auto siphon, which is what I use when I'm bottling now, because it you pump it and it sucks it up yeah. and then does it. I still, I still have when I'm bottling, I still have my demijohn up on a step on the table and a bottle on the floor. But because you're doing that original pull it then goes through and it, that just starts the gravity process. Um, so as you are home brewing, you can just do it with a pot, you know, two pots and a sieve. But really, you will begin to invest in other bits that just make your life a bit easier. So like, so you obviously got the demijohn bit of it. And I'm going to yeah. try something for the first time here yeah. that we've never done before. I'm going to try to share my screen. You, like you got that kit that was like the all grain kit. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually got a kit, but a friend of mine was, uh, you know, bought this kit, tried bring something once. Uh, the cleaning was a lot. I think they tried to make a cider. It maybe didn't come out very great. Um, and they were kind of like, oh, I don't really want this anymore. So they, they sort of handed it off to me knowing like I've got an interest in beer. I hadn't actually got around to brewing with it because I really wanted to have like hands-on experience before trying it on my own, just because of my yeah. anxiety levels. Right. So the kit that I've got, I was just only because it flagged like on the website that you went to. Um, if people see me typing, it's because I'm looking up the things that you're talking about. Cause I think it's interesting. Um, let's see if this works. Ta-da. Hey, this is oh, the so type the, of kit that got I've the, got. You got the plastic bucket. Yes, and like the yeah, oh yeah. I think I got a spoon situation. in mine as well. I think no, I bought my spoon. I bought Wilco's. Top tip: Wilco's does a great range of quick to get home brewing stuff. So yeah, you know. I was gonna say I've I've heard of I've heard that Wilco's yeah. do do good ones before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you can see the all grain all grain starter kits. So let's see what that looks like. See if we can find can for anyone toppers. curious. That's it. That's the stove topper there. That's what this I bought. One. Yeah. Let's Small see if we can see what's in it. Hey, so that's literally go. all you that's got. That's a demijohn. <laughs> that's my demijohn. Yeah, with the stick stuck on. Uh, There's your temperature gauge. Brains and bits. Your yeah, tube. and that's that's it. You literally got a tube. Oh, that is that is what you were describing. <laughs> that is the... yeah. That's the airlock. Yeah, so it is a plastic squiggly thing. 
I think you described it pretty yeah. well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I'll stop sharing now for the time being anyways. <laughs> Hopefully that came up on the recording and because yeah. that's quite interesting for anyone watching the video. If you've not watched the video, sorry, that was not really <laughs> at all. So, um, you know, I did what I could. <laughs> uh, but perusing that site as well, what I saw, you know, just to deviate slightly, what I thought was quite interesting as well was um, there was like, wet yeast I think yes. it's like liquid yeast yeah and it's called so, we yeast <laughs> why yeast why yeast yeah. we yeast so that's the company that produces the yeast um so usually well often you'll get a little packet like this I'm showing on the video it's literally like a little sealed packet and it's got like if you were buying yeast to make bread with yeah. this is brewer's yeast and this will come in different strains depending on what you're making this one here I got in my hop subscription because I'm that kind of home brewer. Um, and this is actually a lager yeast. Uh, you do need to make sure that you use the right yeast for the beer style that you're trying to make because that will make a difference. Um, and so it, in there, that's a dried powder, just like if you were trying to make bread. You can get wet wet liquid yeast. Um, it's more expensive <laughs> because it's already um, it's already started. So what you do with this powdered one, you can just sometimes sprinkle it in, but to get the best effect, you're usually better adding a bit of warm water to it and letting it start to kind of bubble up and start to, so the, the yeast cells double and, and, and increase. And so you want to start it doing that before you add it to the beer and then you'll put it in the beer and it's like, Oh, yummy sugars. <laughs> and then it creates your alcohol and your, um, and your carbon dioxide. You can get the wet ones that are already done like that. And then you just pitch it. You pitch is the word for adding your yeast. You pitch your yeast. So you just pitch the wet ones straight in. Um, I don't use those one because they're more expensive. And two, because I only do five liters at a time. A packet like this is really meant for about 20 liters. That's that will do you a 20 liter batch. Um, so I generally use about half a packet of that really. Um, so I, uh, wet one once you open it you kind of got to use it so all of it i guess yeah so i wouldn't i i wouldn't really use those um they are apparently very good yeasts so once you like maybe i'm jumping ahead because obviously we're still kind of in the entry level of this conversation but it seems relevant at the moment um like can you add too much like is there a point of you're adding too much yeast or if you used a whole packet of the wet yeast for example how badly would that if you I mean, if it wasn't something that was meant to have all of it and you put it all in, would that massively screw things up? Or I don't necessarily think. I mean, I think you can put too much in. It can go a little bit too much. Like it could eat all like for a style that doesn't necessarily need all of the sugars eaten, it could eat everything. And then you've got a drier beer than you wanted. Um, there are like when you really get into the science of it, there's uh, there's, you know, pitch rates that you can sort out and stuff. As an entry level home brewer, use the amount of yeast that you're told to. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just stick with yeah. the directions. I have had it where I felt that it hasn't done enough, and I've added a bit more yeast um, because I feel like the yeast ha- like hasn't done what it's supposed to, so I've chucked a bit more in. Um, but it's like we say, know the rules to yeah. break it. So like yeah. follow the rules first, so you know yeah. what you're supposed to do. But yeah, no, that's that's interesting because like I said, I, I wasn't sure if it necessarily. Would screw, but it sounds like the worst case scenario is it might end up with a slightly different taste, but so. not undrinkable. I don't think so. There, there may be some implications to that, but I'm not aware of them and I've never done it. So fair. Someone who is more experienced in yeast 
can let us know. Yeah, let us know. Feel yeah. free to comment on the on the YouTube. You link can also or put like, it on Instagram. Save your yeast. It is possible to do that. Um, and then you keep it in the fridge, and you can reuse it. Um, I think with with the packet with the dried yeast, that's more difficult to do because you need like so many yeast cells. Yeah. For it to then start back up again easily, and the dried ones aren't as easy to do that with um but there is there are ways of doing that if you wanted to and like I've heard of some people who have like taken the yeast from like a smoked beer that they've made and used oh, wow. it in, an, in a batch that doesn't necessarily use smoked malt to see if that if that adds to it like there's different experiments you can do and you can try and cultivate yeast from a beer bottle um you just kind of have to feed it and hope that it multiplies multiplies that's incredibly interesting i feel like that could be a whole separate topic in itself to yeah be fair. like there's so many additional questions i feel like i'd have off the back of that but there's literally like a repository that has hundreds of yeast strains in it in like london somewhere and they've got like they've got old yeast strains from from closed breweries and brewers can go and request to have like a bit of yeast from there and they can so crazy. try and re- recreate it and use it in their beers I wonder how much it costs to get like a really yeah. old yeast strain because there was I can't remember which brewery it was but there was a brewery around I think it was in Kent that had closed and then they tried to they the whoever bought the land or whether it was the family later on decided to reopen it and they went and got the yeast strain that, that would had been be. saved from the brewery to reuse it that's incredible. And, and isn't the one that's behind you, the, the shipwrecked one, isn't mm-hmm. that using yeast from like a shipwreck? Yeah, so this like beer, this, is, um, this uses yeast that's about 200 years old. So they found bottles of beer in the shipwreck um, and then they propagated the yeast so in crazy. the bottle and managed to create enough yeast that they could make a beer out of it. Science is fucking weird. It's amazing. It's it? weird. It is, I love science, but this it's This was a weird. special beer that my friend sent me over from Australia. But Darwin Brewery, who brew in Sunderland do a do a beer that uses yeast that was from a shipwreck so if you're interested in something like that have a look up of darwin brewery i'm definitely interested in that i feel like yeah we we need a whole separate conversation on yeast i think but before i close out the brew uk website uh the other thing that's worth pointing out as well like you're saying with these kits and i mean not only can you get these kits that are just here's a particular style i mean they've got all ranges of styles as well they've got like colches ambers all different if you can think of it you know there's a beer de garde like all different types of kits you can get but also there's a lot of kits that are for specific breweries and specific brewery beers which is something that if if you're not aware of it that is thing there's a lot that are more like traditional styles and traditional breweries I mean you've got like your your fullers you've got your you know adnams you've got all, all that kind of stuff but also like scrolling through I can see there's a kit for loose lips from the, that was the yeasty boys one uh i didn't expect that to be on there that was interesting i mean i know there's like the brew dog ones and stuff like that which i mean that's always kind of been out there and they've put their recipes out there so not as surprised with that but the um the yeasty boys one i thought particularly uh interesting i mean there's a kernel brewery yeah a double citra ipa kit that you can get again didn't really expect that there's a vanilla porter on here i would hazard a guess that's maybe yeah, I think that's the one that I did. Similar to the one that you have. My There's a honey one. porter. That sounds Ooh. gorgeous. My second, I only did two kits. So my second kit was a chocolate milk stout that I brewed for our wedding. Oof. 
um which was lovely that worked out quite well and then after that I was just like well I reckon I could do this myself so I did that's it yeah I mean that sounds that <laughs> literally there's one that's here called wreck the holes nice. which is an amazing name um and it says <laughs> a special festive beer which is a strong multi dark or subtle Christmas spices that sounds incredible now I'm going to close these windows down because they're also showing me a kegerator and I I don't want to get tempted um not that I can afford it but I'm closing it because I don't even want the temptation um but there was also something I drive by on my way to work a homebrew shop that I didn't know was there uh, in Farnborough and it's called the homebrew shop (laughs) and I walked by and I, I drove by and I sort of looked over one day when I was stuck in traffic and I was like ah so it'd be quite interesting to see like what I can get there and maybe I can find something yeah. interesting to to start there so and if you have got a homebrew shop near you please support them because we had I think only about two in Kent and I think they've both closed um so if you want to go and kind of peruse things or chat to someone that knows because generally someone that's running a homebrew store is going to have some knowledge that you can pick up on um we haven't got any near us now so I have to order everything online and just work it out <laughs> I mean, when it comes to sort of, there's some questions that I think we had submitted. Uh, Lisa put a whole bunch of questions that are actually relevant to you starting up that I'll ask you in a minute. But in regards to the using websites, using your local homebrew shop, like what type of websites should people, be, if they are absolutely clueless on where to go, what sort of websites can they be going on if they don't have a shop near them? So the Malt Miller is a really good place to look at. Get a Brood is very good as well. Those are the two that I use. Um, and and brew uk pretty much you could just google homebrew supplies and you'll find stuff but um i've had very good service from both of those they usually have what i want and there's another one i use called the homebrew company um that's where i've got like some good deals on bottles now i tend to use bottles and i tend to use um like the grosch type swing tops because you can then just stick them in the dishwasher and reuse them assuming you get them back from people i always um, send them back I'm, you do yeah most people that i do are very good and send them back to me i'm very um, polite <laughs> i clean these, them for you and everything you do <laughs> um these so i they, these are 500 mil um i also have 330 mil for anything that i want smaller portions of usually a stout <laughs> or a high, higher abv stout or if i want to distribute it to more people because my kit makes between six to nine pints depending on what other ingredients are in it and are sucking out the liquid. Um, but I can make about 11 to 15, 330 mil, depending on what there is. So so that works out quite nicely. Um, you can just get plain bottles and crown cap them, or you can keg it. Depends on what, what you want to do. I've always done swing top bottles. I imagine kegging it kind of comes with its own challenge, though, because... Yeah. If you're wanting to get more experimental, you wanted to try a lot more. Uh, I imagine that kegging it probably comes with uh, more of a time limit on it. I would maybe guess because, I mean, you'd also probably have to factor in, I guess I would, again, assume you'd need uh, gas of some sort (laughs) to sort of to have that keg function. But I mean, I don't know what what are the things to consider when you're deciding if you want to do bottles versus keg? I think it depends on how much you're going to make. So, you know, kegs are going to, you bet you need to really fill a keg because if you leave any space, you're going to get oxygen in it and that's going to ruin your beer. So you do need to make enough to fill it. Um, you need to think about how you're going to 
distribute you know how are you going to pour it and serve it to people if you know you just can drink it at your house then you can have it in a keg but if you want to get it a bit further afield then you may want a bottle um you can of course draw off of the keg into a bottle but then again you are risking oxidation um space with where you're going to put it how you're going to if you've got a keg of it how you're going to chill it if you want it chilled um and which I will say, if if people are interested in having kegs, like I have seen some really cool DIY tutorials. Yeah. Like ha- if you've got if you've got a spare fridge knocking yeah. about, as many as most do. Yeah. I mean, um, there is just this really cool thing that you could do. Uh, it's more American style fridge than UK style fridge in yeah. many ways, where it was like the fridge on the bottom and the freezer on the top. But my experience over here has always kind of been freezer towards the bottom, yeah. fridge on the top. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people turn those fridges into basically kegerators, mm-hmm. um, just drilling holes, putting the tray on for it, putting the tap handles on there. Uh, but then obviously they've needed the CO2 for it and everything. Yep. I'm assuming, am I wrong to assume that if you're kegging it, you're always going to need a CO2 or are there ways to do it without a CO2? I mean, you could, you could t- technically be casking it and then just having it come off by gravity. So not necessarily. That's fair. Um, I think to be fair, because I, I know you can buy kegs um, from breweries yeah. uh, that are already like sort of pre-kegged, but I have heard that to keep it longer, it's more ideal to get the tap handle yeah. that you can put like the little CO2 canisters on yeah. because I've heard that that actually helps it last. Yeah, those are supposed to last nine days, a week maybe, if you if you keep it, like, if you keep closing the thing and because and mm. there's like a little um bit the open that allows the gravity tap to work at the top don't know the science behind it as you can tell um, but as long as you close that again so that there's not oxygen getting into it it will last a little bit longer um but yeah i think as well with kegs and stuff it's good to purge them with co2 so there's no oxygen in there um i'm still very much in in bottles and very very simple setup is mine <laughs> to be fair though i think like with with the purpose of your brewing like you don't you, you don't necessarily need a cake no. in that sense it's not no. like you're sitting there going like yeah i'm gonna drink all of this one right yeah exactly. one thing and it, like because it's such a small setup I and you share it to put in. yeah and i share it around with people Yes, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, so, like, kind of one of the first questions that were thrown that we'll have a Q and A session at the end. But one of the first questions that was thrown out that feels relevant to this topic was uh, kind of what are the we kind of covered it, but what are the absolute basics that you need to get started? You need a vessel to be able to ferment in, and an airlock. Um, you need at least one very big pot. <laughs> I have two now because not I just biggish, not biggish, big, big pot. Um, I have two now. One is what I use as my mash tun. And then while the mash is going on, I've got another one with my hot liquor, which is basically hot water that you run through the grains, um, going with that on as well. Because otherwise you've got to find a way to heat up that water. I mean, you could do it in an, in an urn if you've got an urn. Um, I know some people have got the all-in-one systems, and then maybe they've got a second one of those where they heat the water up and then run it through. Um, so like an all-in-one system, it it will have like a temperature control on it and you can do the whole thing in the one. They kind of look like big tea urns. Um, some of them have heating in them. Sometimes you have to put them on top of like a heat ring. But you need a brewing, at least one brewing vessel, something to ferment in um, and an airlock, a sieve, 
or you can do what they call um uh in in the bag and you put all your grains in like a massive tea bag and steep it and then you pull the whole thing out so in that case you wouldn't necessarily sparge you would have all the water in there to begin with and then just steep it all in there and then just take it all out and let it drain and then that's your the idea of that being like a big old in the bag grainy tea bag it's just just really funny to me for Um, some reason so you can do it like that um you need a thermometer you must have a thermometer you must have some way of sanitizing you're gonna need a spoon if not a mash puddle (laughs) um that's it really you you can have minimal equipment but as you go along there will just be things you'll need some way of getting the beer out of the demijohn into your um serving way in a way that can be sanitized whatever yeah so could somebody like just have a funnel that they sanitize and put in a bottle and dump it i mean you could do the more you move it like that the so as it as it ferments all of the yeast and proteins and hot particles will settle to the bottom so the the reason for using like an auto siphon or a tube and gravity is that you are sucking it off of that and not taking that into the beer you start tipping that demijohn all of that trub as it is called is going to start mixing back into your beer and end up in the bottle and you don't really want that so you want a more gentle way of getting it out that can be just a tube that's fair and i guess like if someone was really really interested but on a massive budget and when it comes to the fermentation vessel like you know that would be you know your demijohn right yeah. so you could you get, get old like, rosie's big cider yeah, jug and just chuck it yeah chuck out the cider if you don't want it or another drink it. way is to have a plastic bucket and then it's got a tap at the bottom exactly like what and i then, shared on the screen earlier yeah. assuming so that's on the bottom and you can turn the tap and that will draw the draw the liquid off of the trub and leave that because the tap's slightly higher up than where your trub is and so then that will draw it off you can do it that way um i just like a glass demijohn because i can see what's going on inside the beer well i guess that's important to mention isn't it is like kind mm. of once the lid's on there you don't really yeah you don't want to be able to expose that. it <laughs> so you're if you're doing it in something clear i guess you've got more like you said you can see it you can see how it's yeah. coming along you can see if something looks not right or yeah. you know if it's in something that's like a plastic container well, a lot of people use it. plastic buckets with a lid on and a tap lots of people use those so it just oh definitely but i imagine that's a bit more um you just have to kind of put your faith that it's going yeah. all right because you, you, you can't see it is there any type of material that just isn't going to work anything that's porous because you're going to get you're going to get um some level of oxygen in like plastic and and i mean you can use stainless steel as well that's what breweries do <laughs> um something that's not going to add a flavor to your beer something that's easily cleaned something that's not porous and not going to let oxygen in perfect uh yeah so next question is i guess this is sort of more or less an obvious but where's the best place to set up home brewing in your house or to conduct it obviously an ideal setup it's probably going to be in your kitchen but i guess kitchen, if we consider shed, where's the most garage. ideal place to do it and where's the best place to sort of leave it to ferment so to brew you're going to need a heat source so whether you're doing that outside and you've got electrics that you can plug something into or whether you're doing that in your kitchen because you've got um because you've got the heat source there and you're going to need a water supply because brewing uses a lot of water not just in the beer itself, but in the cleaning, because like 
they everyone says it, it that brewing is 90 percent cleaning but it really is it is <laughs> it really i witnessed is. it it really is <laughs> um so you know you need a water source you need a heat source whether that's out in the garden in your shed in your garage in the kitchen those are the kind of places but you need those two things um and then for fermenting depends on what beer you're making what your yeast is but you kind of need it to stay at a consistent temperature for that yeast so i don't actually have temperature control a lot of brewers will have made up like a fridge that they can that they can check temperature on or you know they'll have some way of cooling or warming it so that it's at the right temperature um my living room in a quiet corner <laughs> sits at about 22 degrees quite 20 to 22 degrees quite nicely um that's what an ale yeast likes to be at <laughs> um i can only brew a lager between about Jan- about february march time because then i can stick it in the shed <laughs> and it's cool enough that that's the kind of temperature that the lager li- yeast likes um but i still end up wrapping it in blankets <laughs> that is my temperature control <laughs> i mean if but it's not if it's if not you're brewing, it. if you're, <laughs> like really you need to be able to keep it at a consistent fermentation temperature is the place that you need to put it at don't be putting it in no like airing cupboards or anything it's not like you know cellaring no. it <laughs> i mean if you've got it. i mean if you've got a cellar and it keeps at a nice kind of ambient temperature that would be a good place to put it and you don't really want anywhere where it's going to get a lot of light on it things like that and how long would you say it was before you got i use the word good um how long before you got good at it but what i'll say maybe not necessarily like good because obviously i think you're you're good at what you do but you might not have that i mean i don't know how you feel about that how long before you got confident with it really so i did i did two kits i did them quite far apart because we were moving out of the flat so I waited until we'd moved into our house to do the ne- into a house to do the next one, um, and then we were moving again. So I didn't do another one until until a while after that. But at that point, I was just like, I feel like I can just <laughs> I want to make the beers that I want to make rather than what you can get in a kit. Um, and I had been up to Wild Card for my first International Women's Collaboration Brew Day, and I was just like. And, and I met uh, I met some people there and talked about home brewing and I was just like I'm gonna go for it <laughs> I'm just gonna make a beer I'm gonna make I'm gonna find a recipe I'm gonna make it up make up what I want um, and I just gave it a go because you know I'm making five liters if it comes out really bad you can just ditch it and it's sad but you know oh well on that again. scale on that scale you know yeah. if, you, if you bin it off you know and actually it came out really well so <laughs> I don't think I've made a bit. Well, I think I did one beer. Was because have you made anything like, that's undrinkable, or was it? It wasn't undrinkable. It just wasn't very nice. Um, I was tr- I was going for a hoppy amber amber ale, and I got my calculations on the. It was like the second recipe I think I'd ever made, and I really went for like a um, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and work this out myself, and I just got the calculations for the malts completely wrong, <laughs> and there just wasn't enough malt in it. So it yeah. was like it came out at like. or something and I was like that's not what I wanted (laughs) and uh I mean it was it was drinkable I didn't give it to many people (laughs) because I wasn't happy with it but but generally everything I've made has been has been drinkable and usually it comes out the way I wanted so so that was like was that to get the right two homebrew kits yeah 
and then you were comforted enough to just be like cool I'll just make I mean so you so so from there you can find I mean there are a plethora of recipes online and you can just follow the recipe and work it out make treats I kind of tweak because I'm like as someone that knows beer flavors I know what I want it to be like so I look at a recipe and I'm like I think I want a bit more of this and I want a bit more of that so I'll tweak it and go from there that's interesting I guess is that I I would imagine that's kind of just something that comes with time and experience as well as knowing you know this hop is you know the more you study hops as well that's going to give you this and and therefore you want less of that I'm a baker Mm. and I'm a cook so it's very similar like you know recipes like you can follow a recipe to the T and you're still not, it's still not going to come out the way necessarily that you want it or that that person's made it, but you've got to put those, your little tweaks and things on it. So that's what I do. I just often I'll be like, right, this is the, this is what I want to make. And then I'll look at a variety of different recipes and I'll pull from what I want. Um, and I'll take a little bit from this and a little bit from that and be like, yeah, I'm happy with that. And then go for it. So how, like, how often do you actually do a new brew? Do you do it? in in a month so my vienna lager is the only one that i've done i've rebrewed (laughs) because i just like trying different things um so pretty much all of my recipes are something new each time um but i will go like if so i've got a a porter recipe that i like and i'll use that as a base and then i'll put add different things in it so i've done it as a i've done it as a hazelnut coffee porter oh yum i've done it as a yeah that one came out really well (laughs) i was really (laughs) happy with that one um i've used it to make a cranberry raspberry spiced porter for christmas that sounds amazing yeah that one came out i was happy with that and then that's the base recipe that we gave to heist (laughs) oh which we'll get on to yeah so so yeah so like there'll be bits where i was like okay i like this base bit and then i'll change bits around with the other yeah and then i play around with whatever else i add to it and how frequently do you do your brews do you do one you know a, a week do you do no. one a month or <laughs> no because the whole process so a brew day is going to take you a minimum four hours um depending on what <laughs> a you're minimum doing of four a hours. minimum of four hours that's if your sparge is good and you've got like you're just on a roll and you know you don't stop to have a chat or a cup of tea or lunch, <laughs> lunch. <laughs> or you know something gets something goes wrong or you've got to fiddle with something um minimum four hours for the brew day then it's got to ferment for at least two weeks sometimes three depending on what else is going on um then you've got a bottle it and then it's got to sit for four weeks so you're at least going to have i mean i have now invested in several demijohns so i can have several on the go at the once but you've got to fit in that time as you know a hobbyist <laughs> to get the brew day in leave it to ferment somewhere your equipment's tied up then because you've got beer in the fermentation vessel then you've got to have the time to mm bottle it and you don't want to leave it too long because you're risking infection or you're risking like it being sat on the yeast for too long and then that will start to produce off flavors as the yeast dies um so you do you do need to kind of be in that routine and as it you know I'm not selling it I'm just doing it for fun so I've got to fit it in around everything else in my life so I mean you don't have that many things on the go (laughs) not too many things that I'm doing but um Think of being we were, really selfish. <laughs> when we were in lockdown, I did a lot more brewing than I do now because I'm busier with other things now. Um, of course, but I can I I can have about two in fermentation at the time, and I feel that's manageable. Um, it's then working in 
bottling it. I did bottle twice on one day and the bottling isn't too bad. It's then the cleaning afterwards because you've got all the trub in the demijohn. You've got all the, all the bits from your bottling and you want to clean that as soon as you've emptied it. Because if you leave that yeast in there, it's just going to go gross. It's going to be harder to get off. I mean, it's, sometimes it's quite difficult in a glass demijohn because it's got a tiny little hole you've got to get into to clean it. Um, that you need to clean it right away. And so that can take a little bit of time. Um, and you want it completely spotless because if you leave it, you've just got to clean it either later on when yeah. it's dried up or the next time you go to use it, it's not ready. And then you've got to clean it up anyway. And it's going to take even longer. Yes. Yeah, so do, so do it right away it right or away. hold off and have it be more of a fun. But then if you do two <laughs> rounds of bottling, that's two demijohns you've got to scrub clean. And it, it can take me 20 minutes to scrub out a demijohn if it's playing ball. Yeah, I guess that's one question that might be quite good that people wouldn't even think to ask is so I obviously know what, you know, I showed what a demijohn looked like yeah. on video. It's just like a jug, more or less. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about this, but maybe you can sort of explain a bit more like, how do you go about cleaning that? Because I know you've tried like numerous different techniques. You've tried the yeah. magnet situation. You've tried making yeah. your own magnet situation. So my my demijohns are quite small because they're only five litres. Um, when you've got bigger ones you can get like a vase magnet cleaner so that you, it's like two magnets, chuck one in and then the magnets kind of stick together and you can kind of do a little scrub with them. Um, I tried that. I, I, I was like, yeah, vase cleaner. That looks amazing. That'll work. Wouldn't go through the whole of the demijohn. <laughs> um, and then I was like, right, because I've seen some in America that are different sizes. Um, so I was like, can't get them over here. I was like, um, can I make my own? Found a YouTube video about how to make your own. You need some really strong magnets and you get a sponge and you cut a little hole in it and you stick the <laughs> you stick the magnet in one, chuck that in the demijohn, put the other one next to it, do the little scrub. They were such strong magnets, it kept coming out of, <laughs> out of the sponge. So that didn't work either. I have a bottle brush so that you can get straight bottle brushes and you can get curved bottle brushes. And the curved bottle brush goes in and then it cleans the curved side. Um, I need a new curved bottle brush because it's gradually it's it's like nylon bristles and I've flattened it from scrubbing because it the curve is where the the level of your beer sits and then the yeast will generally make a ring right at that point Um, and then you've got to scrub that off and so I've gradually flattened (laughs) my curved bottle brush I I just need a new one now now everyone knows what to get you for christmas so and top tip when you're pulling the bottle brush out of your demijohn don't just go whoop and pull it straight out because you will spray yeast (laughs) everywhere take it very slowly out with your hand and then you won't end up with with yeast all over your face all up the wall oh ask me how i know Uh, i don't want to know i don't want to know um you were talking about how you were sort of brewing out of the flat originally yeah um, I know there was a question that came in about like how much space do you need to brew um what's the ideal amount and what's kind of the smallest that you can get away with say you've got a really tiny galley kitchen you know does that make as a long difference as you can or... fit a big soup pot on there then that's all the space that you need and you need some like you need you need a little bit of counter space to be able to sort out your your demijohn for filling for filling it over um you can do it in a really small space. Uh, it's when you start getting more into it and you decide to, you know, add to your kit. Um, since I started, I've now got more pots. Um, I've got more demijohns. I've now got 
Um, you literally have buckets. I've got, yeah, I've got a bottling <laughs> bucket um, because when I first did it, I just transferred the beer out of the Demijohn into the bottles. It's now actually, it's actually better to, to transfer it out of the Demijohn into a bottling bucket and then from the bucket into the bottles because then you're transferring less trub. If um, you do that, do you have to let it sit there for a particular amount of time or can you just bottle right away? When straight away. Up? Do it straight away. You don't. Cause the longer you leave it open, the more chance you're oxidising it. Yeah. So you want to get that done Fair. quickly. Quickly and calmly because the more you jostle it, the more oxygen you're adding to it. So you've got to do it don't like, panic. Do it <laughs> no, do it calmly. Um, and you also add sugar at that point or some sort of, of sugar to reinvigorate the yeast to carbonate it in the bottle um unless you're going to force carbonate it but i don't have that sort of system um i also now have a wort chiller because once you've boiled it and added your hops you need to cool it down to the right temperature for your yeast you can do that just with a sink full of ice and water sometimes that takes forever (laughs) so um like i had one where it took like more than an hour to cool down um just that's one thing ice. i noticed about the room process is like there's a lot of waiting yeah there's, a lot there's of waiting like you know you had to keep the the boil ro- like rolling boil yeah. for an hour straight yeah and that is like that to me like i knew you had to boil it and stuff like that but the idea of the consistency of needing to keep it boiling for an hour is absolutely crazy and then it's the um like the chilling part of it yeah. when it was done that part is like waiting down waiting around again for it to cool down but not get too cold so you have to like give it time but then also check it and then realize like no it's not done yet so i've got to (laughs) wait some more and you don't want to walk away you kind of have to stay in the vicinity of the kitchen because for both the boil and the cool down because three seconds can make all the difference there's no like here's the exact amount of time that something's gonna you know either stop boiling or potentially overboil, I guess, or with the cooling, it's gone too cold, and now it's not ideal for the yeast. You've got to heat it back up again. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's insanity. That is, not, that is not ideal. That is not an ideal condition. Um, and I mean, in commercial processes, they will have, you know, systems and computers and things that are. are... We scream at you if it starts getting. Yeah, they start making noises, or they or they're regulating it. Like you can all these all in one systems. You can regulate the temperature, and you'll have something that will click in and out that will regulate the temperature like you know i am literally i'm the regulator <laughs> i am it, when when the mash is happening that has to be so when you put your for anyone that doesn't know what the mash is you put your grain into hot water um and you leave it for at least an hour to extract the starches and enzymes that are going to create fermentable sugars um i have to get i do that and then you leave it for the hour but you can't just leave it just leave it for an hour because you want to keep that temperature at around 68 67 degrees celsius um so every 15 minutes i will go back and check the temperature if it's gone down to if it's gone down lower than i'd like i have to turn it up a little bit if it's somehow got warmer you need to leave the lid off so that it can it can cool down a little bit because you need that ideal temperature to create the reaction where you get where you're extracting the the starches and the enzymes otherwise you're not getting what you need to make beer yeah no that science it's honestly <laughs> it was just watching this like just you know what what should you go back like okay we've got to check this yeah. okay uh watching the cool speaker and... is the best thing because you just you were like you were like 
Yeah. Set an alarm for 15 minutes, set an alarm for 30 minutes, set an alarm for 45 yeah. minutes. And it's just, I don't you're think looking that's at something... me like I'm a nutter, but I'm like, no. <laughs> I just, I don't, what you need. I, I think that's something that maybe people don't appreciate, like you can hear about it, but you don't necessarily appreciate it until you see it firsthand. And I think maybe, you know, the difference of having an all-in-one, it doesn't make it any less creative or amazing, but I think there is something that maybe makes you feel like really accomplished in the sense of like, you waited around <laughs> watching it boil for an hour right. straight. And, and then the beer yeah. that we brewed only had one hop edition. So if you're doing multiple hop additions, if you've got to put it in at the beginning of the boil, you've got to put some in the middle, you're going to put more towards the end. If you're adding other ingredients that need to be in at different times, if you're going to put a fining in that has to go in at a certain time. So you're going to have like multiple points where you're like, okay, now I need to chuck this in. Okay, now now it's the time to chuck that in. Because if you don't put it in at the right time, it's not going to extract what you need. And I think it's worth noting as well, like when you put stuff in that that can potentially depending on what you're putting it in and how much you're putting in that could change like temperature for you like Mm -hmm. the temperature as well so you have to let it boil straight for an hour however if you're putting certain things in that could sort of risk the boil maybe not being a rolling boil (laughs) and it's it's so so much exactness like you were like the temperature needs to be exactly blah 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 point something (laughs) and it was like so oddly specific (laughs) that I think it just made us both laugh because we were like (laughs) <laughs> that is oddly specific that that put that temperature that we needed to get yeah and i so i've and now one of the other things that i've invested in now is a hop spider so that's um basically a the mesh, name of it but it's cool it's a mesh <laughs> tube that hangs over over your pot um and you put your hops in it rather than into the pot itself um you can just put them into the pot itself i was doing that but um i originally started with whole leaf hops um now they are a lot easier to clean out of the bottom of your pot once you've taken the taken the wort out um because they're chunkier and easier to get rid of um when they're wet most hops nowadays tend to come in pellet form and when that hits the water it just disintegrates so you would end up with this mushy green mess (laughs) in the bottom of your pot um so but with a hop spider the mushy green mess stays in the tube and then you just clean that out rather than it being stuck to the bottom of your pot top tip top tip get a hop spider <laughs> so you get out your bajillion boxes your bajillion plastic boxes <laughs> feels like a bajillion plastic boxes honestly it was so funny because you like pulled out a box and it was like here's all the demijohns <laughs> like mm-hmm. here's the ingredients and yep. and all that um so you take that stuff out so everything's ready it's all set up ready to go what does kind of an average brew day look like from a high level view um regardless of what you're actually brewing what's kind of the high level view of what your average brew day looks like um so i usually start by filling my pots with water and getting those on to start heating up uh the mash tun one you want to get heated up because you want to get that to 72 degrees celsius i think is what i get it to um while that is doing i then weigh out my grains um you then want to add the grains to the water top tip get a big enough bowl because i get a big enough bowl very quickly you i think people underestimate how much i know i know i would underestimate how many grains you need yeah in in the in a grain recipe an all grain recipe uh yeah you are getting close to the top of the bowl Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah really big get really big bowl for weighing those out um if you haven't got a kit that's just weighed it out for you um 
so that the recipe that Tori and I did needed 1.3 kilograms of grain and that's quite a lot of grain that's only going to come out around five six percent so if you're doing you know a high abv a higher abv beer you're gonna have more grain because that's where your sugar comes from to create alcohol um so you can end up with a lot of grain <laughs> um i think that's obviously the thing is i didn't scale i didn't really appreciate as well like how many like how much ingredients were involved in a single brew like when it's not happening in front of your face, like someone can tell you the amount and yeah. and you can read here's five different types of malts and grains going into it. But like until you see it in a quite hefty sized bowl and that's being filled up, you just don't appreciate like how much really is going yeah. into it. Yeah. I mean, I have a good, I have between 500 to 800 grams of base malt and then whatever else you need into it for your various flavors. Um, so that goes into the, into the heated water, stick a lid on it, check it every 15 minutes. Um, because you generally your mash is going to be an hour. Check your recipe because it's your smart timer every 15 minute intervals, every 15 minute intervals so that you can check the, the temperature. Um, when you put those grains in, you're going to need a sanitized big spoon or a mash paddle because you don't want any lumps. So you want that because you want all the water to get into all of those grains Uh, and the grains that I buy are already crushed so you need to crush the grains for the water to be able to get in there and extract the starches and sugars if you don't if you can crush them yourself so some people have a mill they attach a drill to it to make it work some people do that i don't i don't have that so that may be an additional step um or just buy buy crushed malt (laughs) but what i learned what i learned was you don't want them almost too fine because if they're if you don't you did this like technique of doing like a shaky shaky yeah, of the bag, the bag because there were bits that were too fine and you were like, like a dust you can use them however that's how you get a stuck mash <laughs> yeah because then that because that's quite powdery um when it gets wet it's gonna get mushy yeah. and then when you are trying to extract the water from the grains it's just gonna coat the inside of your sieve and then you gotta scrape it off to be able to get your water it's- out yes and then you risk flicking things everywhere yeah yeah um so mash is on while the mash is doing i weigh out my hops uh most of my hops live in the freezer so um and i only need a tiny little amount so i weigh those out get them ready and any other additions i'm going to add spices peels um i use protoflock sometimes as a fining it's from irish moss so it's it's not made from fish swim bladder which i don't want to put in my beer Still vegan. Uh, not vegan not vegan um so i'll wait get those ready uh once the mash is done you're then going to sparge oh, and at 30 minutes of the mash i then heat up my sparge water in my other pot once you finish your mash you've got to mash out so you've got to stir it for seven minutes because then that stops the process of creating the fermentable sugars you're then going to remove the grains from the water which is called sparging and so you're going to remove the first runnings so that's like the water that the grains were sat in um and then you're going to rinse those grains with more water that you heated up to come to your full amount of wort so the water is now called wort because it's got the sugars in it it'll be whatever color you want your beer to be from the grains once you've extracted your wort that could take anything from 20 minutes to an hour <laughs> i was definitely took an hour i was um, took an hour yeah yeah and and it's funny because when you did the like mash now i was like i can help you i can help you stir if you want and you were like no 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 you're like you're gonna be sparging <laughs> yeah yeah 
uh, and I think my problem, one of the observations that I made of this about myself anyways, was I get very like OCD with it. And I was like, I need to get all of the water out, which we spill some. We had two, the, the best bit is as well. I was like, we actually ended up with slightly too much water. Yeah. So I was there trying to like, get it all out every single time like I would I would do the lift the sieve up and get all the water out and it was like the sound was like someone that was weeing this is like the only way I can describe it and it was like when you need a wee so bad and it's so long and then you think you're done you need a wee and then you think you're done and you hear it slowly drip and then you kind of move the sieve a bit and it's like no 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 we're still going we're still going Yeah, and, and then it ended up taking us an hour. But I imagine if I hadn't been so, we probably could have done it quicker if I hadn't been so OCD about being like, I need all the water out. My best one has been 20 minutes and that was a lower ABV beer because it was, because as well, like it, all the grains are just sat in the sieve. You don't want to like being careful that you don't tip any out. And, you know, so you are being more careful. If you've got less grains, it kind of sits nicer in the sieve. And so, yeah um I wanted to be thorough yeah. where it was my first time I was like I want to be thorough I want it to be good and then it took an hour so um so then you've got your wort you're going to boil it you've got to bring it to the boil which can take a little bit of time you're then going to do like once and you've got to watch it when it starts to get to the boil because that is just stickiness <laughs> like yep. if that overboils, you're going to have just a sticky mess all over your kitchen that you then need to clean up and it is like it'll be caramelized because it's just sugar and water which I didn't um, really think about until we were doing the you're sparge. You're like, this is really sticky. Well, we were doing the sparge and I was kind of like grabbing, like I went to go put something, I went to go put a pan down and I went to kind of just like move it out the way a bit and some had kind of got over the side and I was yeah. like, oh, it really is quite sticky. Because <laughs> yeah, it's full of sugar. Um, so then once that's at the boil, you add your additions of hops, peels, spices, bloody blah, blah, whatever you're adding. Um a general boil is about an hour, but check your recipe because it could be an hour and a half. It could be longer. Um, this is a very basic brewing run. Um, I mean, you could get into decoction mashing where you're taking bits out and that takes even longer and boiling it and then adding it back in. There are more steps that you could add to this. Yeah, there was like the idea of um, you could do a whirlpool and yeah. you're like, well, I don't have like a whirlpool. But yeah. you were saying people actually like, make a way to do a whirlpool yeah so they they will so with a whirlpool it cools the beer but it also um helps to filter it because it brings all of the trub to the to the middle and to the bottom so people will you know have a drill <laughs> with a spoon attached to it and they will whirlpool it or you just stir really really really, really fast <laughs> so, so so top um, tip for anyone that wants to do a recipe that requires whirlpooling and you want to actually attempt to whirlpool it pull it and you're creative get a drill situation yeah, sorted out the drill bit um so then once you finish that point you've then got to cool it down to the appropriate temperature for your yeast your yeast will generally say on the packet or the recipe might tell you um i do that in an ice bath so i always set an alarm for 15 minutes before the end of the boil um because at that point i will make an ice bath in my sink i cheat and buy bags of ice because I cannot make enough ice to make a significant difference to the chill. There's nothing wrong with that, my though, because I no. think that that's a good tip, because yeah. a lot of people won't Buy have ice. the situation, like they won't be in a Get situation the one where they can make bag, enough. Yeah. Chuck it in a sink with cold water. It will help you chill. I also have a, a work chiller, as I said, which is a big coil 
of copper um, that attaches to my tap so I can just run hot water through that as well that has brought my chilling time down to around 15-20 minutes which is amazing because you want to chill it as quickly as possible because the more it's sat there the more you've got chance of infection um so I will make the ice bath at 15 minutes to go towards the end of the boil I will also start my yeast so I keep my yeast in the fridge (laughs) there is a chunk of the regular food fridge that just has my packets of yeast in it um I will add it I use about half a packet half of kind of a regular packet for each of my brews um I will add a little bit of warm water to it and then stir it up and leave it to sit um, and that will start to foam up and at that point I also sanitize the demijohn the funnel for adding it the sieve the extra sieve that I use to pass it through um uh what else do I use at that point the airlock I'll put you need to put sanitizer in the airlock and the bung and um my sampling tube and my hydrometer so that i can take a sample of the beer at the end or the wort at the end and see how much sugar is in it before the yeast starts working because that's your original gravity you'll then take your final gravity before you bottle and there's a calculation you can do by doing an app (laughs) where it will determine what abv your beer will come out at um so you chill your wort then you're going to transfer that into the demijohn i use a funnel and a sieve in cut so that you anything else that's left in the beer you're, you're going to have protein you're going to have hot break um from where it's boiled like you know when you boil potatoes and there's like like that white white bubbly stuff that's a hot break and it's the proteins and stuff from the boil so there'll be some of that in the beer and you don't really want that in there so you sieve it again as it goes through but that can be a normal kitchen sized sieve put that into the demijohn um then i add my yeast and then you aerate it now at this point so you put it into the demijohn and then you need to add your yeast at this point you need to aerate it so this is the only time that you want to actually get oxygen into the beer because you want to give enough oxygen for the yeast to be able to do its thing um so you aerate it and then you put the bunging just swirl it around um i usually do it for a 60 count (laughs) and then i put the bung in with the airlock make sure that's nice and tight in there and then it's done uh, you want to sit it in a quiet corner and don't touch it. <laughs> and then, so, of course, after that, leave that for two weeks. After that, uh, at some point in that period, like after about a week, you might want to dry hop with hops or peel or anything else that you want. You might want to add fruit. Um, which is key to leave space because I know that yes. sort of we we were doing the measurements you were like actually we're not going to use all this because I need to leave about x amount of space yeah. like you know r- like roughly what type of size gap from the top do you think you need to leave if you're doing you know dry hopping two fingers <laughs> solid very precise, very precise. Solid, solid I mean it depends maths. on how much you're going to put in it but you got to remember that if you add anything sugary like fruit or something like that the yeast is suddenly going to go wild again and it might out of the top um it still could if you've got a very sugary wort um it could still go a bit mad oh like um, the donut one did yeah our donut one was very full of sugar um and it went absolutely mad and it worked like i will come down the next morning and there's just yeast coming out <laughs> of the airlock um you can clean the airlock and pop it back on again so top tip i so i make up sanitizer in a washing up bowl for brew day i will then keep like a tub of that aside until i bottle because you might need to redo your airlock and that 
you don't have to make up a whole bowl of sanitizer again you can just use a bit of sanitizer from there um you might have to magically make a blow-off tube because you had to do that one yes i had to macgyver a blow-off tube because the little airlock that i had was not man enough for it so instead in the bung went a plastic tube that then went into a pot of sanitizer um and then it was it bubbles off that way but because the tube is going into the sanitizer there's no way of oxygen or whatever getting into the beer but it can still merrily work away and if a little bit of yeast pops out it just goes down the tube and into the sanitizer so it's fine craziness yeah i remember you people if they follow your instagram probably saw you post it it was really funny you were like i just woke up and it was going crazy (laughs) um i I did take videos of it so at some point i will do a a reel about macgyvering a blow-off tube and i also took um I, I took a little bit of video of a very similar contraption at heist so we will compare the the commercial oh, to the homebrew at some point absolutely as well. brilliant um yeah and I think yeah there was uh for anyone that doesn't know because obviously we've mentioned like the sanitizing aspect I know there was yeah. like what I learned from you was there was like two main types of sanitizer and every time we said that we, we said sanitize like so many times that I've just got mentioned it here and I said it to you on the day it makes me think of that episode of Doctor Who when you have that uh I forget her name but she's like uh, a skin yeah she's like the piece of skin and she's always yeah. going like moisturize me <laughs> so every time you like sanitize I just want to go sanitize me because <laughs> I it just felt like I don't remember her name but it was hilarious but yeah, because she was I the moisturize me lady <laughs> and I felt like we just used that phrase so much yeah. that it became like that so um, with the sanitizer you had the one if I remember correctly that was sort of the rinse off yeah so I've got one. a rinse one that I found that I like you can get no rinse um which means that you can literally dip it in it and then just use it I've got a rinse one um just uh, that's just one that I I found that I like so you can either or and the way you want to do it really I I guess is you want to have like a washing up bowl type yeah you want like filled because you've got like I sanitized the entire demijohn so you had to fill it the whole thing with sanitizer and swirl it around and let it sit for a second before you rinse it out and um you know everything needs to go in there the spoon went in there multiple times the the um the thermometer went in there multiple times as it was in and out of the beer you know you there are many many things that need to be sanitized so i say and you want to keep in you want to keep in mind as well like the size of what it is like the thermometer is quite long the spoon can be quite long especially if you've got the paddle so you don't want to get like a tiny i guess the one thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to get a tiny little bowl made up of sanitizer yeah because you're going to find i guess you'd probably find that quite challenging to get some of the things you need to sanitize fully sanitized and I, i keep this tub i said i keep a tub of sanitizer like it's quite a tall like I get quite a tall Tupperware one with a screw top on it usually, um, like almost like a tall jar, um, you know, something that you might keep soup in if you're going to freeze it, something like that. <laughs> but don't because confuse it with soup. <laughs> no, don't, you know, well, I mean, it's cloudy water, so you, hopefully you wouldn't. But then I can like dip things in it if I need to. So you need it to be quite a nice depth, depth. Yeah. to get things in. I mean, at that point when you are taking like when when i've kept that aside for like dry hopping and things you're not going to be using the thermometer so you won't need it to be that tall but i have done it where i've kind of decanted it into a bowl over something 
and then put it back into the tub. <laughs> like you've got to got to think about these things because you've got to get the sanitizer all over whatever the thing is that you're using. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's why I think I think it's worth calling that out because some people just might not. Yeah. If it's your first time, again, yeah. that's something that you just might not think about. Um, and speaking of like the first time, so obviously for me it was my first experience brewing full stop. Um, we chose to brew a brave noise. We did. Uh, we we had a few different things. We we're going to try to brew two, but it just became so challenging that we we peeled it back, and then for obvious reasons we picked a brave noise. Uh, so we've done the homebrew recipe of that. There were some tweaks to that because we didn't necessarily have everything to our disposal that we needed ingredients wise, but we've made some tweaks. You've made tweaks accordingly to what would work well. Yeah. Really excited to see kind of how that's going to turn out when when we get there. Really I need to excited. dry hop it. Um, oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't dry hopped it yet, so I need to dry hop it, and then it will be bottled. Oh, I want to see pics when you when you dry hop yeah, it. It feels like that's the, just like the baby that we just made. Stories. I just thought before we move on, before we get another drink, and we go on to sort of the Q and A section of things. Um, I thought I as it being my first experience, I would highlight kind of some of the things that I found interesting that I didn't really know about, didn't appreciate fully maybe. Uh, the first one being, I kind of didn't realise how much time it was going to take us. Like, I know you said and four I hours. You, I was like, it's going to take a good four hours. And you were like, can we squeeze another one in? I was like, no, mate, you're going to be knackered. Yeah, I just, like, no, we can do two. I just didn't think about it. And I think because it's the fact of like, there is a lot of, what I didn't know at the time was just how much but because I knew like a lot of it was kind of sitting and waiting and doing stuff like it didn't feel like it felt like it wasn't going to be as long like I knew it would be a few hours but what I didn't factor in was the like getting everything out getting it set up and then the cleaning aspect so we started at 9 15 in the morning and we didn't finish the brewing process until about just after two maybe and then we still had to clean up and to be fair like our cleanup was very light compared to what it probably normally is (laughs) brew day is my favorite cleanup day because most of the brew day stuff goes in the dishwasher (laughs) yeah so that's whereas, we got off light. <laughs> right. So whereas usually bottling day, the demijohn can't go in the dishwasher because it just because it's a tiny hole and then a big space, the dishwasher's not going to get to it. So you've got to hand wash that. There are certain things that you've got to hand wash, like my glass thermometer is not going anywhere near a dishwasher. My glass hydrometer yeah. is not going anywhere near that. Certain things are too big or they're plastic and I don't want them to melt. Um, you know, so brew day is better because it's a lot of pots and pans that can just go in the dishwasher. But even still, I mean, like with that, the minimum cleanup we did. Yeah, there was still a we lot were of still done tidying by, things away. You know, say quarter past nine in the morning, yeah. and then we were ready to go out about half two, three yeah. o'clock ish. Um, so it was. I mean, you said like four hours. Like it was pretty long. Again, like our sparge was fairly long. Um, I knew it would be a few hours, but I just didn't realize like how I didn't factor in the cleanup and breakdown part yeah. of it as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just like you don't just get to come in and be like I'm brewing something and now I'm done like you do have right. to factor that in and like it's like you're done. oh I've done the spards now now we can get on to the next bit it's going to boil for an hour you've got to get it to boil first yeah <laughs> it's those it little boil it's like, those yeah. little bits but the good part that I thought that came from that like hour-long boil of getting it up there what was good was that kind of gave us the opportunity to eat lunch we, we had yeah. my duchess because yeah. obviously i've said i've never tried the duchess Boyle before is usually lunch break time we had we had a lovely we did duchess and cheese i, had filled cheese. Lunch. I did not <laughs> i had numerous cheddars 
all the all the hard cheeses <laughs> and some nice Italian meats. So yeah, that was good. It was, nice. um, it was like a very it was a nice nice like continental Europe lunch. <laughs> I really loved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean that was it. And I kind of also hadn't realised like how much gear you and particularly like you in particular had because I yeah. know you can get away with like bare minimum, but like just looking at the boxes, like looking at how much because of how you brew, you don't kind of brew out of the boxes. You do your own thing. Yeah. You have like a box that's filled with just ingredients, yeah. which smelled lovely. <laughs> like you, I mean, it smelled great the whole time, like serially lovely smells while yeah. we were brewing. But even when you just first lifted the box off, <laughs> but you're, like, you're like, is someone making coffee? And I'm like, no, that's the malt. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like, I was like, oh, it's really like chocolatey, like really like roasty. Yeah. I was like, it smells amazing. And you were like, I've opened the, yeah, I've the opened box the with, the, with, the, with the malts. <laughs> and I was like that was beautiful <laughs> like it was just such an appealing smell um but I just kind of hadn't realized how much kit I think that you had acquired and, and that's probably something that as you as you brew you realize this is going to be helpful to me so I'll yeah. get this extra piece of kit. and that is the thing with doing your own recipes and doing all grain you are going to end up with lots of bags of grain um you know depending on what you brew if you brew the same thing over and over then you'll be fine but like i've tried lots of different things so i've got a lot of different hops because i only use a little bit of hops generally so then i have it in the freezer to be able to use again um i've got the bags of malts in a sealed box ready to use again like they they can last a very long time um so yeah you you end up with a lot of stuff (laughs) i've got varying different types of yeast because i've made different beer styles yeah, and I, and I think also like uh, another thing that sort of popped out to me was like how much of an art form it was to see you keeping temperatures at such specific ranges, um, and you were doing it all with like just a standard like thermometer. Yeah, I, need get, I need to get a digital thermometer, really. No, I was say that, that, that kind of brought me on to like my next question which is like you know would you, is there anything that you can recommend for how people can get this accuracy so well because it it honestly was so impressive to be like <laughs> you'd check it and you'd be like no it's still fine and I was like I don't understand how it, you're just like it's ending up so well is there any type of thermometer you'd recommend or I mean I've just got a regular thermometer but a digital thermometer would be better um I'm also thinking of investing in a digital spoon where like oh, the cool. spoon weighs and it tells you in a little digital scale because I've just got I've got my kitchen scale that I do it on but the amount of hops I use sometimes it's only like three grams that was that's so timely that you I'm said like, that because no no, no yes <laughs> it's timely you said that because the next point that I had written down yeah. was like how how much attention to detail you needed to pay with the pay to the grain measurements yeah um and that was really funny because it was like we were we, you were yeah. using it on like a like a digital scale and yeah. there was like the bowl there and you were putting it all out and then you'd be like yeah, okay it's good it's good and then you need like 0.1 left right. and then like slightly more would fall out and then you'd be like no and then you'd have to like <laughs> get the spoon scoop it back I up mean, again and it's a couple of grams over I don't worry if I've shot overshot by a bit I'm like mm, I'm gonna have to take that out because the because the different flavors from the different grains can make a difference um so you do want to be pretty accurate on that but you know a couple of grains at my my level not gonna make a huge amount of difference which actually then I feel like I am getting to be like a genius of organizing (laughs) my thoughts because it takes me (laughs) on to my next point as well which was sort of a reminder to people that are trying homebrewing and maybe are not as experienced as as you are may not know this obviously you've said you've used an app and everything um if you have to make a change on the fly 
definitely record that change on the app because yeah. um, I think we when we did the measurements there was something that we had to use a bit of a different grain or something yeah like I that. didn't have enough pills no more <laughs> so we had to use like, a different I've not got enough pills no more so I'm going to use Marion Sotter instead so I use an app called Brewer's Friend there are different ones that you can use um and I just went in there and you you can pick out the different grains and say I'm actually using and then it will calculate for you your estimated ABV your estimated colour range um, and your estimated um, original gravity and final gravity, and like your, your estimated IBUs and all of that. So that's really useful because you can kind of aim for those things. Um, I've often sat there and like I'm working out a recipe and I'll add a bit and I'll be like, that's not the colour I want. Add a bit more, add a bit more, add a bit. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> um, so I find it really useful and it's got a calculator to, um, I put in the original gravity and the final gravity and it tells me, I don't have to work it out. It just tells me what my what my ABV is. So it's really useful. And it, it can go in quite detailed as you go. But you can put in the efficiency of your brew house and and wow. you know <laughs> your your um your water information and all of that. Um I don't I don't go into that much detail. But yeah, my brewer's friend app is very useful. But yeah, that's that's very important. Make to the changes down and what you do- make the changes. Make the changes when you're making when you're doing it because yeah. you don't want to risk forgetting it and then yeah. you might forget what you've changed or the measurements that you've changed and then like you're just not going to be able to have that accurate and when you're adding other ingredients like um I record like if I've added a flavoring how many drops of that flavoring I've added how many spoons if you love spice it, I added you want to be able to say yeah you want to be able to make this it again. gave me the specific yeah exact amount so that take I take those notes and take a note of your original gravity and make sure you put in your final gravity and any like anything that you did that's different than usual there's a note get a journal right and i do i do have <laughs> just a, get a brewer's i do have brewer's journal as well that i write things in so just do, use like a i feel like a combination there could be like yeah, really yeah that's what i do so i've got but. a i've got a paper journal that i write things in and i've got my app and i use a bit of both i mean i feel like i can summarize that and measurements are stressful yeah measurements are stressful and make sure you capture them appropriately (laughs) yeah um moving on you mentioned obviously you stored your hops in the freezer one thing that i found particularly interesting was when they came out of the freezer they weren't particularly cold like it didn't feel i know that some people are probably gonna be like oh obviously they weren't cold like i'm sure that people are gonna (laughs) call me stupid for that but just when you're like it's in the freezer my thought was like oh maybe it will start getting a little bit frosty if it's been in there imagining they were in like chunks of ice (laughs) not so much that but it's like even when I put anything I put in the freezer feel like if you put it too close to the back or the side or something like sometimes it could just get a bit of like a frost over (laughs) but even when I have stuff in tubs it can get a bit of a frost over on it but they haven't got a lot of liquid content well, that's it. As you pointed out to me on the day, you were like, yeah, well, it's fairly leafy. And I thought, yeah, well, I guess if you put like, you know, because this was your, dried, your leaf ones, so, your dried leaves. Yeah. You know, I guess, yeah, if I put a dried leaf in, in the yeah. fridge, it probably wouldn't freeze. But no. I don't know what I was thinking, but I guess I expected it to be a, feel a bit more cold uh, and it just didn't. It felt like normal. And I guess as you pointed out as well, it's probably quite a good thing because when you were adding it to the boil, you know, you weren't adding enough of or too cold of a temperature that it was really causing like an impact to it whereas yeah. I guess if you were brewing on a much larger scale you maybe would have to worry about that a bit more I potentially. have found um so adding whole leaf 
isn't such a problem. But when you add the pellets, mm. if you just like chuck them in, it will have a tendency to overboil. <laughs> I had oh, that really? once. I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that again. But when I put it in the hop spider, it's better because it's more concentrated in an area. Um, but before I had my hop spider, I was just kind of chucking pellets in. I'd used where I'd used whole leaf. I could just chuck them in. It was fine. But when I put the the pellets in as they disintegrate it made it fizz fizz up a bit and i was I only had a boil over so be careful when you're adding your hops add them grad, no add them carefully don't just chuck them in because you might have a boil over <laughs> oh no i feel like that's just screams mess to me yeah, just, yeah. Oh, mess that you don't want to clean no. um and then yeah i think i've pretty much mentioned everything else already but the last thing that i, I don't remember if i necessarily said it or not but it was the leaving the space of the Debbie John for the dry hopping. Um, obviously, you use like a bag that's sort of like I would yeah. call it like a cheesecloth, but it's not. It's, so it the a... one that I've got is more nylony. Um, I got them from Lakelands, and they are jam bags. <laughs> so you, when you're doing your jam, you put it over the, you put it like there's they're elasticated at the top, and it goes in the jar, and you put it over the top, and then it strains off anything. Like you end up with just jam in it. Um, you can get ones that actually sit like a drawstring or stuff like that. I found these ones work quite well. Um, I've I put hops in them. I put peel in them. Um, I haven't put. I generally puree in my fruit and put that straight into the beer. I don't put it in the in the bag. Um, top tip: if you are going to add peel, cut it thinly. <laughs> well, I can imagine because the hole on the top of it. Yeah, because if not... you have big fat bits of peel it's really difficult to get the bag back out of the tiny hole again so cut them up a bit thinly if you're going to have a lot of peel something that I learned at the beginning of this year when I was making the mustard beer um hops usually okay uh hops will color the bag so you're going to need to give that a really good wash afterwards um and I I just wash it in like washing up liquid and water because you don't like you don't want to have anything in there that when the next time you put it in the beer it's going to add flavor so you want something quite neutral to clean it sometimes i just even rinse it and just sanitize it and you do want to sanitize that bag before you put it in sanitize me yeah <laughs> that's what you have to do uh you want to know what's uh, quite interesting joe what you just said you uh use that for your mustard beer yeah guess what you my next the bus- beer is the beer. that's gonna be my next beer Ooh. Which I'm going to go pour now because that was the end of my enlightening first experience session. (laughs) We've got so much good content on home brewing that we're going to have to split this into two. See you next week for part two.